1: Just like that, the second hour is here. Tuesday edition of Hot Mike with Hud and Withrow across the Outkick network, which includes our YouTube channel. You can see all the shows on Outkick there. We hope you'll search us out. show's flying by. And uh, you can do that for any of the shows. Just search out Outkick and hit that subscription button. Pound the like button, the thumbs up, and also join Chad in the chat. You can do that uh, live each and every weekday, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. We've been discussing a lot about Pat Fitzgerald getting fired at Northwestern. And the discussion yesterday was what will they end up doing based on what the president, uh, Michael Schull, has come out and said over the, the weekend about the two week unpaid leave, which Fitzgerald agreed to based on the independent in investigation by a firm uh, that through Northwestern for the university. Based on the details of that, that was the initial punishment for a coach who said he didn't know what was going on in his locker room. Turns out they go from a two-week unpaid leave to firing him and moving on with an interim coach on short notice going into a Big Ten schedule. Chad, your reaction from what the president of Northwestern decided to do compared to what he initially did and the statements made in between?
2: Well, we can debate whether or not Pat Fitzgerald showed sound leadership or not. And uh, his claim that he didn't know about this or allegations are it's been going on since he became head coach. Should he have known about it? All of those things. And and that's debatable. And I understand, you know, that, hey, he probably should have known or he did know something. And maybe he's not letting on to the extent of which he knew what was going on. But I, I for certain know this now. Michael Schill has demonstrated terrible leadership in this whole deal. You don't commission an investigation into yourself in January and then come back more than six months later and say, we've completed the investigation and with the findings of the investigation, we have decided that Pat Fitzgerald is going to receive a two week suspension without pay and that's it. And then come back a few days later because your student newspaper published a report with two other people alleging something. And then you come back and say, I forget about that. I aired this is worse than I thought. People know about it now. I got to do more. He's fired. That's bad. It's a bad look for university. It makes Pat Fitzgerald look sympathetic in this whole deal with his statement when he came out and said, I'm a little confused that we had this meeting and I thought we had a resolution. I was going to be suspended for two weeks and then we don't talk again. The next time we're talking, I'm getting fired. It also doesn't look good when you go on Zoom and you're the president of the university And you have other leaders of the university on the Zoom and you just tell the team what you've done without any questions, anything else. and don't have one person there to say something to them. The only person who showed up for the team was Pat Fitzgerald, his wife, and his kids who'd said something to the team last night after being fired. It's a bad look for Northwestern and here's where it gets even worse for him. Now, 110 and 101 is the record for Pat Fitzgerald. Most people would say, well, that's not a great record because most football programs... And FBS are better historically than Northwestern. It's one of the worst in America, historically. So he did a good job at Northwestern. Did he do a great job? He did a really good job. I don't, I don't know what great is right now at Northwestern, but no one was arguing that he was going to be fired or should be fired anytime soon based on on-field performance. But they're trying to build an $800 million stadium on campus. Now you've got professors and other leaders on campus Wanting to investigate athletics even more and put a stop to any fundraising to the stadium. What are they calling it? The stadium? No, the
1: investigation. This uh, this firing. The uh, looking into the crisis. A panic or crisis? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's what uh, Adam Rittenberg of ESPN reported Quoted. that the the statement said we have to look into the crisis that's going crisis, on yeah. now. And I'm thinking
1: crisis is a little well, extreme. So uh, it's been you know served out over the last 24 hours or so. Would Fitzgerald have kept his job if he were ten and two and not one and eleven? I mean, prior to this weekend, Chad, I would have Fitzgerald on the untouchable list. I don't think he was leaving Northwestern. And he, he felt wasn't like a fired. lifetime appointment. Yeah, absolutely, because he's Mister Northwestern. The other one was Bob
2: Huggins <laughs> before the two yeah. incidents, and it's very similar. I'd because say he's probably not going to get Fitzgerald
1: fired. is also pointing to an agreement with the university that was, you know behind the scenes on the two weeks unpaid leave that he agreed to only to find out without any discussion that he's being fired. It's a very similar tone from Huggins. Uh, Huggins comes across as, you know, uh, I don't know how you come Love up with was. the idea that you uh, you didn't resign when the statement A month ago, clearly, you mentioned that you've stepped down and you had a meeting with your team about it. By
2: the way, I saw Doug Gottlieb tweet that Bob Huggins is now going to claim that he's still the head football coach at (laughs) Northwestern also in his next statement, which was hilarious. Um, I also, in thinking about... I do think Pat
1: Fitzgerald gets off a bit easy here. And, And hear me out as to why. Big Ten media days are coming up. And now he gets to choose the sit-down interview or whatever he would like to do to air all of everything behind the scenes, right? Everything that took place, what he did or did not know. And then whatever he says in that interview can be challenged by other players. But ultimately, he gets to control his narrative based on when he wants to speak on it. And if he takes another job, then certainly he's going to be pummeled with questions. And so will the university. Point being, though, Chad, yesterday, you brought up Peter Skaronsky. First-round pick, on the offensive line for the Tennessee Titans at 11 overall. He will now face more questions about what was happening at Northwestern than Pat Fitzgerald based on the fact that Fitzgerald's not going to have to face the media, um, in what is talking season. And that would have been the headline and the discussion at big 10 media days. And now you have David Braun, who is going to be the interim head coach. He's a defensive coordinator has been elevated and Former players and current players that are going to answer more than Fitzgerald. I think it uh, maybe it doesn't help him because he's not getting his, you know, he's not doing the car wash messaging. But at the same time, I mean, he doesn't have to face the uh, the firing squad, which certainly would have shown up based on the national media presence that's now on top of this more so than just the student newspaper that was doing the digging.
2: Yeah, I, I think he's gonna uh, Pat Fitzgerald will follow a similar protocol. Where he's going to be silent for a while. Now, he'll go away. Most coaches that have any type of scandal or firing, they go away for a while. Go to Bama. (laughs) Yeah, he'll go be an offensive analyst uh, or defensive analyst at Bama. No. He is going to go away for a while, and maybe he speaks in a few months, or he waits to see if he's going to get a job. If he realizes he's not getting the level of job he wants, maybe that prompts him to speak earlier, or he's just going to talk when he gets his next job. But you're right. He doesn't have to face the music. Tony Petiti, also, new Big Ten commissioner. He's going to go to his first Big Ten media days and be asked about it. Now, I'm more interested in how he handles this than whoever the interim coach is at Northwestern because I think Northwestern can do more to hide behind this, hey, we've already released the statements, we've done the internal investigation, there's not much more I can say about it, we're moving forward, and they'll probably get away with that. Petiti, I don't think it's that easy. As the new Big Ten commissioner where people are looking to him for leadership, when you get general questions about how do you handle something like this, you know, it's going on at one of your schools, how are you going to handle it moving forward? I think he's going to have to answer some questions about it. So, tricky situation for him to navigate also. But Hutton, you nailed it. Pat Fitzgerald's the one that doesn't have to answer questions about it. Northwestern alum in the NFL will have to answer questions about it. Others will. The interim coach Will field questions about it, the new Big Ten commissioner, but not Pat Fitzgerald, not unless he wants to, unless he wants to go do an interview now.
1: Those within the sport, by and large, are backing Fitzgerald. We've had, we've had two guys on that have played that uh, certainly back Pat Fitzgerald and Mark Slareth and uh, Skip Holtz. Yeah, let there. me let
2: me say this though about speaking
1: on behalf of their friend.
2: Le, let me yeah, let me let me say this about the coaching community, okay, and players too. Most everyone backed Urban Meyer. Every time something happened, too. You only hear about Urban Meyer and issues from reporters. You don't even hear about it a lot of times. Sometimes from former players, okay? And Urban Meyer now has been mostly exposed as someone that's a part of a bit of the underbelly of college football, especially because of the way he showed himself in the NFL. So I'm not calling Skip Holtz or anyone that defends Pat Fitzgerald a liar. I'm sure their knowledge of him is positive, but I'm a little cynical when I hear coaches go over the top defending another coach, only because I very rarely hear a current coach in any profession actually say what they think about another coach. Yeah, But Right?
1: I but don't even know the that perception of Fitzgerald was the him. way they're describing. I would I would agree with the description of the guys that have said this.
2: I have not heard a lot of bad things about Pat Fitzgerald. I have no, no. reason to believe anything bad about him. I'm just saying I'm also not going to sit here and hear everyone talk so glowing about, about being one of the greatest men they've ever met and think that, Oh, well, you know, this is who he is.
1: But even Northwestern admitted they couldn't prove that he knew or not, you know, the knowledge of what was going on behind the scenes, uh, which is also interesting uh, based on the initial suspension without pay versus getting fired uh, within a a matter of uh, hours based on the discussion that took place across uh, the sports landscape.
2: Chad, uh, Remember, someone asked, weren't NFL teams mentioning Fitzgerald or he was getting mentioned for NFL jobs the a few Bears, years ago? The Bears, And the Bears was the one that I remember because yeah. I was thinking that you're, you're, you're in the same neighborhood. And Ryan Day as well yeah.
1: from Ohio State um, would have connections there because Justin Fields had just gone there as the rookie quarterback.
2: Well, I am curious to see where he lands now because he was seen as Northwestern lifer, played there, coached there his whole career, 26 years he put in Northwestern as a player, assistant coach, or head coach. So now where does he go? Is he a coordinator somewhere? Does he go the NFL route? I'm willing to bet the NFL route as an assistant is his next landing spot.
1: Plenty of uh, talk there about Northwestern football and uh, plenty of chatter with some trash talk in the NFL between the, the Chiefs and the Bengals. That's certainly been happening. Kadarius Toney continues to chirp, even though he said his account was hacked, continues to chirp. Speaking of the Chiefs, about the New York Giants and and their fans, uh, but Joe Burrow, after plenty of discussion about you know both both locker rooms discussing Chiefs Bengals matchups, uh, where the uh, I believe it it was uh, was it Jamar Chase that said Patrick who Mahomes who's yeah. that comparing the two quarterbacks during minicamp and OTAs, which. Mahomes and Travis Kelsey took exception to. Burrow just said, hey, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great game. We're going to meet them in, in December and probably again in the playoffs. We'll settle it there on the field. I love this. I want more of this. And how quickly we have changed the discussion from Josh Allen and the Bills to Joe Burrow and the Bengals in a matter of really a, a, over the case of uh, two months. And it took place when the playoffs started and then soon thereafter, based on what both franchises ended up doing in the postseason.
2: Well, we had the great playoff game that changed the overtime rule on the coin toss. Oh, we didn't even get to see Josh Allen. The game ended. What a crime to now. (laughs) And it was. (laughs) He is. And it was. He is an afterthought. Uh, And so are the Bills in the AFC chase. I just want to see two quarterbacks truly rise to the top again, in one conference to the level of Brady-Manning. When you had that matchup almost annually or every other year, you would see those two face off in in an AFC championship game or a divisional game, a playoff game of meaning, even going to Peyton with the Broncos at the end of his career and facing multiple times in the playoffs. I'd love to see that type of back and forth over a decade between those two would be really cool. This is trending that way.
1: Burroughs 3-1 and one now against Kansas City. They will be in KC at Arrowhead on New Year's Eve is when they're scheduled. I think it's week 17. And week I, think, 17. I
2: think Hutton, because they never take the field the same time, I this is one where I don't need any level of hate between those two. Not, yeah, right. I like that those two respect each other. You're not going to hear them say a bad thing about the other one. Just like Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady, it was more of a you knew it was a silent drive for Peyton Manning to finally beat Tom Brady in a playoff game, right? You knew that was a big part of who he was. And these two are going to be the same way. Now, a little hatred between both teams goes a long way. We've long argued that hatred in sports amongst rivals is a good thing that drives the sport in an entertaining direction. I'm fine with the rest of the roster hating each other when they're going head-to-head. I'm also okay with Mahomes and Burrow respecting each other and being a little bit more quiet about their rivalry.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, the, the positional players will do the talking for them. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll hype up the, the uh, team versus team fight or uh, the big the pay-per-view showdown that we'd see in the UFC, for instance. Uh, the NFL and NFLPA, they don't have any specific gambling policy for NFL agents. There are a lot of rules and regulations to be certified as an agent across the league through the NFLPA and a lot of times those meetings take place during the week of the combine there's no policy for gambling this this is where i actually agree that there should be surprisingly i'm surprised that i feel that way but i in thinking about it surface level when florio's bring this up i'm like who cares like what's who's next fans we're going to have a policy for fans that can't gamble but the agents would certainly know behind the scenes who's healthy who's not if their star quarterback's going if they're not well before the inactive list comes out and they're in many cases traveling to certain nfl cities because they've got players they represent on both teams and they plan out their you know regular season schedule based on that i tend to think that this would be an insider information thing uh where i mean as long as you're not stupid that took place at alabama baseball and the program there that would be where things could leak because agents love dishing out info, even if it's to benefit someone else and not them. This this is intriguing that they don't have a policy when there are lots of rules they must follow in order to get that certification.
2: If you want to get the agents to agree not to bet, not to bet on sports ever, to agree to that policy, you should start leaking when they bet against their clients. And watch how quickly they're like, okay, Yeah, I don't want to do that anymore because how bad that'll look if you have a high-profile client and you bet the under on passing yards and you're Pat Mahomes' agent or you bet against them in a game and you've got five guys on that team. But is it because they also represent
1: Dak Prescott and they know Prescott's not playing? again? But if they don't,
2: it'll be embarrassing. John McClain joins us next. Shame them. We continue the NFL discussion
1: and more. Coming up in a matter of minutes, John McClain will join us. So we'll talk NFL headlines and more. We'll get his reaction to uh, hazing in the NFL. He's seen plenty of stories uh, firsthand covering the Oilers back in the day compared to now.
2: John is like a one-man tell-all yeah. for the history of the NFL when it comes to like salacious details <laughs> of players from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. John knows all of it. Chad, did you see the video? There's a, uh,
1: a runner. She... Took a wrong turn. She was leading the Atlanta Fourth of July 10K and lost out on seven thousand um, dollars based on finishing, I believe, third instead of first by taking the wrong turn. I originally am thinking like, ah, how do you make the wrong turn? The issue I have here with it in, in the ATL is there's like a a police escort that are you know helping the runners down the path or whatever. And they're stopping traffic and allowing, you know, the, the runners to go across the course. The police officer that's on the motorcycle veers off to the right, and he's kind of leading the charge and leading the way for the runners. And she just follows the police officer, I guess, is like diverting off to a different path to though cut off another intersection or something while the runners follow the route. And she ends up having to turn around and come back, and by then she's... You know, not going to catch up at that point.
2: I think she has a valid protest. I, I mean, I'm watching. Just I'm watching the, the video, and I'm thinking, I'm just following the police escort. That's, that's what I would have done. I thought well, there's the, a guy who the opens wrong the, turn was. You'll see that she didn't follow the cop, and that was the wrong turn. I'm thinking, well, how did she do that if she's just following the police escort?
1: Yeah, she, she's just taking the the path of the motorcycle. He's got the lights on and everything, and there's a guy who like opened the the pathway for the motorcycle to go through, right? And you're supposed to go left instead of right when yeah, it now, branches off. Yeah, now someone's
2: off. directing.
1: Yeah, and he's, her the they're other way. waving. They're waving her down. I, I feel awful when I, I initially just based on the headline. I'm like, yeah, hey, you got to know the. You got know look, the course.
2: I also will say, if you are uh, that good that you were going to win the 10K, you probably also should be smart enough to look at the exact course you're running and know exactly li- where the turns I'd are. I'd like to and know. What you're doing. I
1: agree. I, I'd like to know though, like how how long that officer had been like leading the charge you know and she'd just been following him
2: yeah and it could have been her pacing mechanism also could have been, yeah, of knowing could have been. how how fast she was going was got in line with the the police escort um now if it were me running that long of a distance i would be so delirious now that at that point i wouldn't know which way was Same. north south east west i just would have followed anyone into anything and probably died so we, i'm sympathetic we would follow john mclean I'd I'd follow John McClain straight into hell if he asked me.
1: <laughs> he's not going to end up there. Uh, he's well, one, of, one of the best we know. Uh, Football heaven. Uh, John McClain joins us, NFL columnist uh, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL is where you can follow him on social. John, good to see you. Hope the uh, the vacation trip was well.
3: It was had a lot of fun in Florida. I'm headed to uh, Maryland next week. I mean, I'm sorry, this week. I'm I'm confused. And uh, going to our place right outside Annapolis to spend a week and then come back for the start of the training camp. I'm really excited about it. AFC South, the Titans, the Colts, the Jaguars, and of course the Texans. They got a lot, three of them. Well, rightfully, you know, Trevor Lawrence is only in his third season. And then with CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, they're going to probably be starting right away. And I think it's only a matter of time before we'll see Will Levis if the uh, Titans, unless they're in the running for the playoffs.
1: John, uh, Alvin Kamara reached a, a plea agreement for the uh, incident that took place right before the Pro Bowl in, in Las Vegas. Uh, not this past Pro Bowl, but the one prior. And based on the plea agreement, it, it lessens some charges. He pleads no contest, and he's he's able to uh, have some community service and some different things. How will the NFL react now that he's he's pleaded – no contest, and the, as far as the court system is concerned, it's resolved.
3: I don't think they care about that. They have video of him and some guys beating the hell out of a guy, and uh, it's all on video. And So didn't they announce they were going to suspend him for six games? Now, he obviously would appeal, appeal that and could be reduced to four, but I can't see after what they have video evidence of of him being suspended for less than four games. That's for sure.
1: You mentioned the six games and it brings up the, the NFLPA collectively uh, bargaining certain suspension links. It, which includes what you just referenced plus, you know, PD violations, but based on a, a, a column that Florio had last year discussing the Calvin Ridley suspension for the full season, he references that the NFLPA did not do anything to negotiate the suspension length for uh, violating the gambling policy. They just, told the NFL, hey, uh, you come up with your, 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 your penalties and you come up with the enforcement of it and let, let's get this rolling. I mean, the, the fact that Camara can get the same length of a, a suspension that someone not betting on the NFL, but betting on hypothetically UFC or college football or whatever, that's, it's so bizarre how the NFLPA will argue one thing but not the other.
3: Well, it's not a part of the collective bargaining agreement. NFL doesn't have to squat with the union if it's not part of the CBA. You know, they can play nice. A new guy is going to take over and they can do something to make him look good. But the fact is, unless it's bargained as part of that 10-year extension of the CBA with a year left, which is actually 11 years, there's not anything they can do. They can raise heck about it. They can complain about it publicly. But it's all up to Goodell and his henchmen about how long people get suspended. And they thought they'd, well, maybe it worked with Ridley. You know, they've got less, lesser guys that have been suspended. Maybe maybe there's 500 guys that would have done what Ridley did. And they go, whoa, if he's getting suspended for a year, you know, we're we're going to be careful. But then there's some morons that claim they don't know the rules are when they're clear as could be Stevie wonder can see them and you can't, you can't use the blame it on the league for not explaining teams have told players, agents claim, a lot of agents claim, well, it's not explained to them. It's right there. Yeah, It's clear what the rules are and players bl- break rules all the time. They break rules about using uh, performance enhancing drugs and, and some of them come up with cockamamie stories about how it happened. I remember DeAndre Hopkins when he got suspended, he said he's going to investigate and get to the bottom of this. And uh, but they know they're breaking the rules then. they know they're breaking the rules on gambling. What I don't understand is if you really have to gamble, now it better be a good friend or if it's a family member, it better be somebody, you know, a distant cousin that does it, but just let somebody make the bets for you and hope that person doesn't turn on you and uh, try to stick it to you to stay quiet.
2: John, DeAndre Hopkins' investigation uh, went about as well as O.J. Simpson's investigation as Nicole <laughs> Killer went uh, after after the fact. Um, DeMora Smith on his way out is saying, you know, the Rooney rule clearly hasn't worked and he kind of outlined, here are some things I'd like to see from ownership in the league moving forward. And I've read everything he's saying, and I think on its face, yeah, it looks great, John. I guess my question would be, is there really a solution to how you get more owners to hire minorities if they don't think that the minority interviewing is the best person for the job that can win them the most games? I don't know that there's a simple solution to this. And also, do you think the Rooney Rule worked as it was intended?
3: It certainly has helped in the front office. There are more presidents and general managers who are minorities, and minorities are not just black. You know, they, there's different. There's different nationalities. Ron Rivera's a minority; he's Hispanic. But a lot of people equate minorities with black. And well, and John, uh, let me text- jump in on
2: that. And I think Demora Smith would probably say this also. And I, I hear I hear this a lot. And I'm with you. You know, a lot of times it feels like, oh, well, it's not the right type of minority from certain, you know, from people out there that will argue against the, you know, what the Rooney Rule's intention is and everything else. I think that the common argument is how can a league dominated by black players not also be represented in the front office or as a head coach because the league's not dominated by Hispanic players, right? No, so they're no. looking at the, the players versus coaches and, and you know, team presidents and GMs.
3: Well, until they change it my, from minority to black and they're not going to do that, that's preposterous. Just like the Titans, they have Rand Carthorn. Here, the Texans have gone from an interim coach with Romeo Cornell, David Culley, Lovey Smith, and D'Amico Ryan's. And I don't ever see or hear anybody when they're complaining about this, talk about the Texans having more minority coaches than anybody in history, I'm guessing, because the franchise has been so bad and people thought they were so screwed up to fire Cully and Lovey Smith after one season. Those guys didn't watch the team uh at the time. And uh so um, I think it's Warren Moon told me in probably the late eighties, I did a column with him about the lack of, of minority coaches and general managers. And he said, until you have black ownership. People are going to hire people they're comfortable with. If the owner is white, he's going to be more comfortable with white people. If you have owners who are black, they're going to be more comfortable with black people. And that's something Warren Moon said. And, of course, we've never had a majority black owner. And I tell you what, uh, here's something else that I don't see a lot of criticism of. If you have like, uh, say Mike Vrabel got fired. Is Rand Cawthorn under a lot of pressure to replace him with a black guy? Uh, What if he doesn't? I looked around the other day, and I saw quite a few black front office people who made the decision with the owners signing off on hiring head coaches, and they hired white head coaches, and they didn't get a lot of criticism of that. And I think the key to the Rooney Rule way back when it was implemented was to just get minorities in front of people who make decisions. And it could be that, uh, say the Titans and Amy Adams Strunk interviewed Rand Cawthorne and she liked him a lot, but she went in another direction. But then she might tell another owner, it's looking, hey, check out this guy with the 49ers, Rand Cawthorne. We interviewed him and he was very impressive. And so then that owner, oh, okay. So the idea was to just help guys get more interviews because they t- would lead to more jobs. And it has not for head coaches, but it certainly has for presidents and general managers. And it, I think it'll continue.
2: No, John, I'm with you. Uh, we actually had Mark Schlereth on the show earlier. Um, I wanted to ask you about this. It, it seems like a long time ago, but it was just a year ago when they traded for Russell Wilson that we're all saying, man, the Broncos are really going for it. They want to win a Super Bowl right now. with that That roster, that young roster getting better, now they have Russell Wilson. And now a year later... Sean Payton comes in, and I can't quite get a handle on what the expectation should be. Should it revert back to preseason a year ago that this team can really win and win big? Or has everything been reset because of how bad the Broncos were a year ago that the bar isn't really that high for Sean Payton in year one with this team?
3: I think it's pretty high. Now, the thing, Sean Payton won a Super Bowl. He went he went seven and nine three years in a row. It's amazing, Drew. It's amazing. I think we've talked about this before. These guys who are great coaches, what do they have in common? Great quarterbacks. Do they make the quarterbacks or do the quarterbacks make them? Now, I think Bill Belichick's the greatest coach in history, but, and he had Tom Brady. Name me a great coach that didn't have a great, great quarterback. Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, none or even a candidate for the Hall of Fame, he made another one with another quarterback. So to me, Joe Gibbs did the greatest coaching job in history. You look at Lombardi, he had Bart Starr, Chuck Knoll had Terry Bradshaw, and of course they had a lot of talent around them. It's almost like the great head coaches are the ones that should have control of personnel, like the guys I just mentioned. And I'll say this about Russell Wilson. Do we think Pete Carroll and John Schneider are stupid? I don't think so. They got rid of Russell Wilson and they got one of the greatest packages in history. And then they took Geno Smith and I thought they were nuts. I thought they were stupid, but I'll never question them again because he had the best season of his career. They were a huge surprise at nine and eight and uh, Russell. I mean, uh, Geno Smith got a new contract out of it. And now we need to see can Peyton resurrect Wilson's career. That's a tall order. Seahawks gave up on him, and he certainly didn't look good. That's two years in a row. Maybe he'll bounce back and be good for the NFL if he did. I'm guessing they better run the ball a lot, take a lot of that pressure off him at this point in his career.
1: John McClain has been our guest. John, I'm making a note right now. Next week, I want to get uh, your best hazing story for behind the scenes in Houston. Uh, based on the hazing well, culture i got a million i know, I know you do I, i'd love to get I, into it but we're going to break whether we want to or not so <laughs> uh we will we'll catch up next week because i'm going to lead off with that
3: sounds
2: good thank you john john mcclain stay on stay on john we'll get your hazing story during the break yeah <laughs> just for our own personal consumption we don't want any of the audience to hear yeah. it. just just us we'll hear the, the story You yeah,
3: if you want me to tell you one good one I guess I can tell them on the air next week. Okay, perfect. You know, I might have, have to tell you guys at a time. You let me know. We'll,
1: we'll screen it, we'll we'll tape it and edit it if we need to. John, yeah. h- have a great week. We'll catch up next Tuesday. The great John McLean, NFL columnist. Uh, catch him on 610 uh, Sports Radio there in Houston. Always great discussion and an always great segment. We've got Let's Get Weird with Davey Hudson. That's next on Hot Mic. Glad you're with us for Hot Might with Hutton and Withrow. Big thanks to all of our guests uh, who have joined us. If you've missed portions of the show, you can always check it out online. Head over to YouTube, search out Outkick. We hope you'll subscribe to the channel while you're there. And you can see all of the shows on demand each and every weekday, plus clips and more. Uh, subscribe to the Outkick YouTube channel. We appreciate those who have already done so. Coming up uh, in about 20 minutes, Trey Wallace will join us. It is talking season across college football. The Big 12 is cranking up for media days. Big 10 and SEC are also coming up over the next uh, several days. Really looking forward to all that coverage, and Trey will have it covered at outkick.com. Uh, again, uh, Trey with us, Chad, in uh, 20 minutes. And a lot to discuss. including oh, uh, a lot to get into. Kirby Smart is going to be center stage next week for Georgia, and he has a chance to set a different tenor a different tone with the program based on his initial statements every coach will give their state of the union some will give it for 25 minutes others will you know be like Mike Leach uh who uh RIP would just show up and say "Yeah, uh, go ahead with a question I have no opening statement. everyone
2: here's already said enough uh, let's just go ahead and get
0: no, going let's, speed this process up. let's go
1: it is time before we uh, talk college football time for let's get weird here's uh, Davey Hudson
0: hey guys Oh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later.
2: <laughs> One of my favorite uh scenes oh. from Dumb and Dumber. And, and this ties in well. Very right. under the radar Dumb and Dumber scene. With the
1: uh yes it is, with the first oh, right. headline we have for for the weird news with Davey. Davey uh let's let's kick it off right with the the big gulps.
0: I exactly, hut. And uh, I'd like to thank Matty Eyes for sending the story over. I told him I was like, "Matt, well, the story involves 7-Eleven, so I'm going to wait until 7-Eleven, which is today, July 11th, to get wow. into this story. there you go. Yeah, there, there it is. Uh, we do have a man, Florida man, no surprise, but he's been arrested and he's been charged with battery because he decided to hit a customer in the side of the head with a big gulp. Uh, you think about the things that you just have at your disposal at a 7-Eleven, just so this case, we got a guy, his name is is Taz, which, if your name's Taz or you go by Taz, I would imagine you got a couple of convictions on your file. I grew up
2: with a guy named Taz. Was he arrested at all? I believe so, See, actually. It, yes. just, it
0: checks out. Like. <laughs> not, when
2: it, not in you know, first grade when I was yeah. in school with him. But was I think his, Was that his nickname? I don't know. I want to say, no, his name was Taz. T-A-Z was his name. And would you, I want to say he may have been arrested. Let's compare later on. You hate the name Chad.
1: If your name was Taz, would you hate it more or less?
2: I would hate it way more. <laughs> okay. Because I would we also found the name. I, let me tell you, I also have a couple convictions. Your parent? My name was Taff. <laughs> <laughs> At
1: this point in my life, I and mean, you have to—you <laughs> kind you're, of setting it up there. It's a birthright. For you, yeah. It's a birthright. You're getting a felony charge.
0: But this is down in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and so this guy just, you know, thought we have a good tie there. And as you mentioned, I, I love Dumb and Dumber as well. And I, just I, swing I, a, he just,
1: he was holding,
2: just swing. He just holding? Just swing. I think this is actually kind of a sweet sweetheart gesture. All right, and Boy. here's why love language. Yeah, well, if you're going to – I mean, I think this is someone who's very conscientious of what he's going to do to someone else, got into a disagreement, and instead of punching the person and maybe causing them serious harm, he thought twice about it and said, what can I do that's a little bit softer but also gets the point across? Oh, I've got this big gulp here in my hand. I will smash (laughs) this on their face. It's not going to cause any permanent damage. It's going to get very cold on their face, and they're going to feel it, but it even hurts less than a slap. So I'm just going to do that, and then I got my point across. It's like throwing your drink at somebody. You're, you're I, not hurting them, but you're embarrassing them. So I bet I think Taz was just really doing the practical thing here. I'm trying to think and not trying to go to jail again for some felony arrest. <laughs> well, I mean that didn't work out. This based is not felony assault. assault. This is misdemeanor assault. Well, uh, no, this is a felony. It shouldn't be <laughs> felony battery.
0: Well, I should represent wait, Maybe Taz. that might be, that might be this, right? Chad. That might be his prior conviction. I do need yeah. to double check.
2: Yeah, he probably stabbed well, someone before, and he thought, you know what's better than stabbing someone for me and, and my rap sheet? Hitting them with a big gulp. Well, uh, that
1: would be—first, well, let's just think. Like I, I'm imagining the, the situation, why you would sling the big gulp. Because something else was in his hand. I'm assuming he's right-handed. Most people are, right? So he's got the big gulp in his right hand. What was in his left hand? Maybe a knife, if he was there for stabbing.
2: Yeah, that that is an important part of this story. Did he learn from his prior conviction— and he decided not to use the hand grenade in his left hand to throw at the person and kill them. Instead, use the big gulp in the right hand.
0: Uh, And doing more research now, and it turns out the prior conviction was of a sexual nature, so at least he didn't go down this route. He's
2: on multiple lists now. He's on the list to never go to a 7-Eleven again and the sexual predator list.
0: Yeah, I imagine he lost his job. Uh, Next story, to fill in the blank, guys, so I want to see what you have for me here. But we already know about Elon Musk challenging Mark Zuckerberg to a fight. Right. We have another challenge that has been presented, so musk challenges Zuckerberg to a blank contest.
1: Uh, I'm gonna say uh, a staring contest spelling contest. I haven't seen this headline
0: okay, well, I, I mean we're just going down the rabbit hole, but it's actually a penis measuring contest. <laughs> so I mean we got the we got the tweet uh he he spells it out. We at least he used another word that I can't say, but it's it's blurred out even on the the tweet that's there, but he, I mean, he called Zuck a cuck, which. I hate when people continue to use that word, you know. Thanks for using it. Well, yeah.
2: You notice how Matt, uh, when he suggested his sto- uh, headline, it was very clean. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, we might well, go also, one day without porn references I, from Davy, and we didn't quite get through it. No, absolutely not. By the way, how was the, 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 the Sleeping odds- Beauty last night, Davy? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Did you get a follow-up on that? Did you check out? Oh, I
0: completely forgot. I got entrenched in (laughs) in this story because there's several questions that I need answered. One, are performance-enhancing drugs allowed? That could be, how are they measuring? Unit of measurement, that's another thing. Uh, You just, you keep going. It reminds me of the South Park episode, and I won't go too far down the list, but it was just, it cracks you up whenever Principal Victoria calls all the parents and is like, parents, we called you in today because the fourth grade boys decided to measure their penises and post the results in the school hallway, you know? And so, and it also made me think. One of the first things I believe I ever heard Clay Travis talk about was how the NFL needs to implement this measurement into the NFL Combine. Is that
2: playing off of the Brett Favre photos that day?
0: Uh, I don't remember.
2: I remember Clay saying that word over and over again on on local radio thirty times, and then it it became a big. It was like a huge issue um, with the local radio station. Look, if you're going to handicap this competition. Elon Musk is minus 700 because also he's 6'2", say, 200 pounds. Uh, so he's got, the upper, he's got Dave, the upper hand in this competition, Davey if I'm just guessing. If
1: performance-enhancing drugs are allowed, let's, both dudes are on that, right? They have a lot to live up to based on who they are.
2: Performance enhancing. I would say they're on mental enhancing drugs also. Yeah. Most of the time. I think there's a lot of things going through their system that's illicit.
1: I'm also reading these tweets from Elon Musk and I'm thinking, how does Kadarius C- Tony go to sleep at night looking at the tweets or DMs that he's sending, ripping into Giants fans still, claiming that he's now hacked by like artificial intelligence or something? Meanwhile, you've got the guy running the app. And he's tweeting this, and he's there's no claim up. that he's been hacked whatsoever. Yeah, he just doesn't care. Yeah. yeah. I think he's reached the point. I don't of, think Tony does I, either. I'm, I'm good either way. Until the screenshots get out.
0: I think Twitter's <laughs> become worse since Musk has taken over, but he's definitely at least giving us better content than Jack ever did.
2: I would say so. He's definitely got more of a personality. I think this is the grand
1: scheme of dumbing it down and the being the savior because you listen to people and you make it so much better.
0: Is there any chance he goes through with this? No. <laughs> no. I gotta, I gotta
2: ask the question right. i mean I look, also i think the fight <laughs> the fight happening has a way better likelihood well, than the, of these uh, two billionaires the fight happening will actually decide actually this contest out. as well by the way
1: it's no yeah. different than who drives the biggest truck down uh or the smallest vehicle down broadway or uh, the the strip at your hometown the one with the biggest truck loses this competition
0: Yep. Yeah. uh There's really no way to transition out of this story, so I'll just go for our next story. Actually, hits close to home, though, but you know how the UFO conversation's been involved and how the government, well, we might know a certain amount of uh, evidence that has been hidden before. Well, a U.S. congressman has now went on a podcast and talked about how he believes that the UFO technology that they have at their disposal could turn humans into charcoal briquette. And so uh, I I bring this up because... One, this is uh, Tim Burchett, and uh, Tim is actually representing my hometown district back in Knox County. Uh, it's just great. He used to be the Knox County mayor. Doing and, you then, proud. and then our current mayor is Kane, who we had on the show. You know, Glenn Jacobs. So things just, I mean, it's a real who's demon. who. It's a real who's who over so there. Jacobs.
2: UFO technology can turn humans into a charcoal briquette. Isn't that what we call on earth fire? I don't understand what he means by that.
0: He just says their technology could just pretty much boil us down to, like, a pile of... Uh, well, that's what... Mush. we
2: could, I could set someone on fire and it turns them into that.
0: Have they heard of cremation?
2: That's what you do. You, do you put a human into an urn, and that's it. That's the whole person. So, I'm Have not... Have they not watched Game of Thrones? Yeah, t- I, this this is... Uh, I want to tell this, man. This is technology that's been around for centuries. Well, t- it's called fire. Tim That's also- how we can turn humans into a charcoal briquette. So... This isn't really a, this isn't a flex for the aliens out there that they have the tech UFO technology guys can burn people and can turn them into charcoal. Uh, that's been around for a long
0: time, so oh, I'm having a hard time. The bigger following. point he was making was that they likely aren't harmful to us because if they were, they would have already done this to us.
1: Have you seen the the, the world map of UFO sightings that have been reported? And it's important to just note this: they apparently when they the UFO is is visiting Earth. They only are seen they across most, Europe, yes, and the United States. That's it. I'm showing Chad right now UFO sightings. There's nothing in South America, but if you look over here at North America, that's where all of the UFO sightings take place. Yeah, Russia, there's nothing some in Africa, in Asia. nothing really in Oceania. Uh, everything is, you know, on the outskirts. No, I, I mean, where are well, a UFO please visit New York City with all of the cell phones we have there versus some random
2: forest in Oregon. Uh, when that happens, I'll buy into the video. Remember the movie Signs, the Mel yes. Gibson, the M Night Shyamalan movie, where it's just so shocking when you finally see the alien. Spoiler alert! In the movie, in the news footage, in like South America it's been or long whatever. Enough, I agree with you. On Remember that. that they're like, We're, we we warn you, this footage is disturbing, and you watch the alien move past all the people in the city in South America on the news footage. Everyone has a camera in their pocket now. Yeah. I, if aliens were visiting this Earth, we would have captured it clearly on video at this point. And that, when, while that's we're going why down this I rabbit
1: hole, Davey, I will also say, where is the Bigfoot that died? There are armadillos all over the roads all of a sudden in Tennessee uh, The right alien now.
2: technology, uh, Davey,
0: mentioned. They the, can the turn Bigfoot things the, into a okay, briquette. The, they just went and did that. The aliens are also killing did Bigfoot. Did that die? To, to make this full circle, you talk about the armadillo is on the side of the road. I think that's the word you use. I kind of lost track there for a yep. second. But Tim Burton came known nationally because he tried to implement a legal-to-eat roadkill bill back in the late 90s. So, <laughs>
2: We're all buzzards, apparently. Yeah.
0: But then, and then my, my final story for the day, I think that we'll have time for. So just speaking of Knox County, I can't prove if this is real, but since we started on Knox uh, County, there is, is a video that has been circulating on social media for probably close to a year now, but it is allegedly of a police call that went into the dispatcher from Knox County about a man who was not excited for his son being pulled over by a deputy, and I'll just let you watch this animation and listen to it here.
2: Knox County Police Department. You was the one that come up here and brought my
3: son in a squat car. I talking some mess about how he took his go kart on the highway and didn't have no helmet on. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm about red iced over it. Sir, <laughs> I'm not familiar with the incident. I'm just the dispatcher. Some deputy Look like his balls ain't dropped. Said Ernie Michael didn't have no helmet. I said I told him to. I said, son, these people laid down their lives in this country so you wouldn't have to wear no helmet. Well, if he's on the interstate in a go-kart, we will pull him over. Good luck. He don't stop for no one. And his Honda run like a scouted dog. Best thing for you to do right now is get off his phone and sober up. This line's being recorded. i tell you what. You
2: are
0: lucky I've been drinking. A have sober loosens my
1: tone. So there's an account, um, and I'm trying to find him. He's hilarious, that does these animations and regnet voices. Uh, there's kind of the same characters, but it's it's well done. Uh, it's it's Roy D. Mercer quality, Chad. Yeah,
2: it, it's very well done. I'd also say maybe illegal to call a 911 dispatch and do that, right, yeah, unless as a, as a, a hoax?
1: A, unless it's a bit that
2: yeah, that's the thing, where I, the 911 dispatcher yeah, is could, also Yeah, the recorded. 911 dispatcher also could be active. Yeah.
0: Could be. But what I do know is I know people from back in Knox County that sound and would make that phone call.
2: Yeah, the go-kart on the interstate. I've, I've heard of better <laughs> ideas, but I love it.
1: Without the helmet. I had a go-kart growing up. I did, too, and it was stolen. Really? Out of the back of a a bed of a pickup truck. My dad pulled into a Walmart, and uh, my birthday present was gone by the time we came out after getting, like, a two-liter coat. I know. It sucked. Trey Wallace joins us. I bet he had a go-kart as well.